Welcome back to today's episode where we discuss the latest installments of a different series every show. Lawman Bass Reeves is a new American Frontier Western on Paramount Plus that drops Sunday, November 5th with a two-part pilot spanning 1863 to 1875. The two episodes follow Bass, played by British actor David Oyelowo, as a runaway slave turned free man turned lawman, the first African-American deputy marshal west of the Mississippi River. Now, explain to me if you will, because there seems to be some confusion on the Wikipedia page of Taylor Sheridan. Is he in fact the creator, showrunner, and writer of the series. I'm glad we're getting out of the way so early. He is not the showrunner. He's an executive producer. The showrunner is Chad Feehan. Yes, his name's all over the credits. That's what was confusing because on Wikipedia, it says just like with Yellowstone, Mayor of Kingston, uh, 1883-1923 special ops lioness that Taylor Sheridan is the man in charge. But again, not in the credits really. Yes, what happened I think was David Oyelowo had been trying to get this show done for eight years. In fact, he, he had been the main actor. Yes, the main actor. And he had even gotten people like his wife to sign on as executive producers. And one night when he was having dinner with Taylor Sheridan, Taylor Sheridan agreed to be the executive producer. And then he got the script and he texted Oyelowo and he was like, I love this script and I would even like uh, to direct it if that would be okay. So, and then they were going to make it a spinoff of Yellowstone. It was going to be called Yellowstone, or actually of a spinoff 1883. of 1883. Yes. 1883, a uh, Bass Reese story. But I think with all the drama going on, like the part two of Yellowstone with uh, Kevin Costner not coming back and that being pushed back till November 2024, which was released last week, that release date. And I also, also think it has to do with the fact that he was spread so thin. Yes. At this point, Taylor Sheridan is in every other show that's I, coming out. But I'm also thinking that it has to do with uh, the Yellowstone audience reception being kind of lower, like we've talked about previously. And that not only being uh, like 6666, another Yellowstone spinoff being a different thing, I think he just decided, you know what, I'm I'm just going to let you do your own thing. So they dropped 1883 from I'm sorry, 6666? That's a different TV show we talked about in 1883, if you remember. A I different don't, spinoff, yeah. Yellowstone. It's been a long enough time. Shows. I do know that because of the whole SAG strike and everything, yeah. that they had to reboot Yellowstone almost and start playing it episode one through, like season one, episode on, on one. On CBS. Yes, and I think that's been fairly popular. So yes, I, I, don't think that it's, I don't think that the, um, the, the audience is, that they're losing quite an audience, but I know that Kevin Costner is leaving. In the recent, uh, seasons, I think that the audience score for Ron Tomatoes have been considerably lower. Anyways, though, going back to Lawman Bass Reeves, yes. did you go into this thinking it was going to be well, a yellow Well, I still, I still want to talk about the production side for a go second. Ahead. So David Oyelowo, his wife, who is that? She's a singer, and also in 2006, she was the main role in a TV show called Mayo. But she, and she will be in the show. Yeah, she's going to have a guest appearance. Interesting. Alright, so the last time I saw David Oyelowo is in um, a silo, right? He played the main character in yeah. the pilot. And it was interesting because he also played a lawman. But in that, we actually saw him be the sheriff for a good number. I think it was two episodes. In this, he doesn't even actually become the deputy of... Uh, of he doesn't become the deputy marshal until the end of the second episode. He's part of the... Oh, wow. So you haven't even seen him be the actual in lawman the second episode. Yet. In the second episode, he's part of the posse for the deputy marshal. But then he has a big fight tiff with that guy because that guy uh, hates Indians or Native Americans. And uh, they end up... In a, that's Dennis Quaid's character. Mm -hmm. And then by the end of that episode, they make up and it turns out that he's going to get a promotion. Um, and so that's his new job. He, he went from, um, again, slave to farmer to now lawman. But how much do you actually get Bass of Bass Reeves? Reeves' life? Yeah. Oh, 
started in so the Arkansas, first episode right? is all about Bass Reeves. It, it jumps, okay? So we begin in Arkansas, March of 1862, and then we end in Arkansas, July of 1865. So he was 1838. Three years. It was 1838 when he was born. So 1862 meant that he was 24 at the time. I, mean, I guess. I wasn't yeah, judging okay. him based off his age, because obviously then the next episode jumps 10 years to 1875 where the only difference in how he looks is that he has a mustache now <laughs> so so it's not about trying to make someone look quite younger it's more about what's significant about that time period is obviously the civil war bass is owned by a confederate major george r reeves so i guess he takes his name because in the first episode he's only known by bass and by the second episode he's calling himself bass reeves uh-huh. all right so uh and, and that guy the confederate major is part of the 11th Texas Cavalry. And so he's taking Bass Reeves out to fight with the Confederacy. So you're seeing like the unions fight and they're, they're on the wrong side of things. Um, and, and Bass Reeves is supporting his, um, his master. And uh, the, the guy's played by Shea Wiggum, who I knew from the villain from Waco. He was also um, one of the main characters in Gaslit. Uh, I thought he did a tremendous job in this uh, coming across, you know, every once in a while you get the 20, yeah. 12 years of slave or the Django Unchained where a big time actor is expected to be a big time racist. And I think he pulled it off. Uh, well, I know that this is probably historically accurate because Bass Reeves was an escaped slave. Like he, Yes, he's, he's got escaped. a huge yes. Wikipedia play. And this is also based off of, unlike with the T- Taylor Sheridan work in the past where he's kind of made up stuff as he went yes. along. Um, and, and I assume he's a historical buff and that's how he gets that information information but this is based off what two books or one book i think it's a trilogy actually okay. by sydney thompson yeah. uh, and it's mostly based off the first book which was called follow the angels and follow the doves a trilogy about reeve's life so as you might imagine just like 1883 or something they, they want to start off with a bang they want to pull the audience in right and do so they? there's <laughs> that's what i'm getting to so they have a big first scene of chaos it's war. It's unions versus Confederacy. There's a big old battlefield. Think Jon Snow when there's just empty space in between <laughs> two warring armies. But the Jon Snow, how is he like runs right through the uh, the field? You're talking about battle by himself, the bastards, yeah. like leading the charge, right? Yes. That's exactly what uh, Confederate Major George R. Reeves does, except he has a horse, and so he goes storming into battle. He calls Bass to follow him, and Bass for a second thinks maybe I should get out of here, <laughs> but then he realizes he doesn't really have a choice, so he. Falls him, falls him into battle, and that's where we get to see Bass in one of his elements because he is a sharpshooter. This guy knows how to no-scope kill from a long distance, whether it be a rifle or a pistol. This guy knows how to shoot. I think as and a so, lawman, he killed over like 3,000 fugitives or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but that's part of the reason they recruit him as a lawman right. is because they're like, what are you doing as a farmer, bro? Like <laughs> You can use a gun to do anything. So he takes out a few Union soldiers who are about to cause... A mayhem, and then these Indians show up working for the Confederacy um, for some reason, and, and they both like bombard the Union, and they end up the Confederacy ends up winning this battle. And that night, um, even though Shea Wiggum's character George R. Reeves uh, was like the winning general, or sorry, the winning major, he has a tiff with the the general in charge because of how he's running the entire operation, and so he is relieved of duty for he, to get some R and R back in Texas, and of course he brings a slave with him, um, and so Bass and him head back to Texas. When they get there at the uh, plantation or estate that they're at, George Reeves, his wife isn't there, and so it's literally just Bass. His um, his girlfriend, who is also a slave, and um, they're hooking up in the back when George at night like calls Bass back into the house and he wants to play some cards. And the thing is, like we've seen at this point that though George R. Reeves may be brave when it comes to battle, he is 
uber racist. Like he says things like only white folks go to the big dance boy when he's talking about heaven. <laughs> he's uh, yeah. So it's kind of a strange turn in his character when he says, you know what? I'm thinking about letting you free. Scot-free. Oh, okay. Do you know where the term scot-free comes from? No, I had no. to look this up. So it's a Norse terminology and old French, and it just basically means taxes. Like, you're free of those taxes. Scot-free. Okay, so like you paid off your debt. Y- yes, you're completely good to go. Um, and so he says, the only thing you have to do, because this is a reward for how you followed me out in the battle and did such a good job, is you have to beat me at a game of cards. And so he dishes out the cards. What card game do they play? It's just a hand of five card draw. Um, but Bass gets a great hand. He gets a flush and except for one card, which is a queen. And then um, uh, George, uh, he also seems like he's pretty smug about what he received. And that's when you see this situation go down um, where he switches out his card. He ends up getting the full flush, Bass does. But then George ends up getting four of a kind, including a queen. And the Uh only way he could have gotten a queen is if he cheated. So Bass feels slighted. And then he's like, you cheated me. And that's when he starts beating up George. Like he goes from. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, Like the interesting thing is like he was fine being a slave. Like he was he was he held his temper enough where he was never going to do that unless George did something like this. And so he beats up George, realizes he has to go on the run. He tells uh, his girlfriend, Jenny, that uh, he has to leave. Or she actually tells him to leave. She's like, get out of here and then never come back. That's Wait, so Jenny doesn't doesn't go with him? Nope, she's staying there. And uh, and on his way out, he actually gets almost uh, arrested by these three guys who, who know the fields and know who George is. And they see that he's barefoot and they put two and two together. And he, George isn't dead. He's just been knocked out in his house. So, oh, okay. I thought that I thought that Bass Reeves like killed him. Yeah, at first it was left like unknown, and then later on you get a scene where he returns, and uh, we learn that he that George actually goes into politics. And I'm assuming that George is also a real person because if Bass Reeves is a real person and he took the guy's <laughs> name, then he would have had to have taken it from somewhere. Yep. Um. So yeah. Uh. Where am I going with this? Okay. So he kills those three people who approach him, who seem like they're going to arrest him, and he does that with the same sharpshooting ability that he showed off when he was fighting in the war. And this is where you start getting some time jumps because and it is also where this episode gets i think the best because it reminds me of like uh last man on earth or westworld where it's literally just this guy who has to survive the elements he has to survive like feet pain because he doesn't have uh shoes so he's literally picking out like um pieces of wood from his foot um he he has to survive the rain the sun eating rattlesnakes uh, admiring the buffalo listening to majestic music even though he can't hear it <laughs> um and then uh it, the rolling landscapes obviously it's like godless because yes. they they tried to film it but so was 1883 so if you remember in 1883 yeah. they actually ran into the same problem they did with this show where they shot it in Texas but because the weather was so bad it took them like 5 months just to uh, finish 3 episodes of this thing <laughs> i'm not surprised one thing i do have a criticism about is the amount of times they tried to change locations by putting out that like little wording at the bottom just be like okay now we're in arkansas right. now we're in texas now we're but they do that too often to the point where it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really affect you unless you have a map outside. I don't <laughs> understand why they were doing it as often as they did. He makes his way into Indian territory. So like there's not going to be a problem with Union soldiers or Confederate soldiers here. But at the same time, he's like on death's door. He's exhausted. He's parched. And so a woman, this is what reminded me mostly of Godless, a woman who lost her husband approaches him with a gun and then realizes that he needs help. She has a son of her own. She owns a farm. And then he can't read. 
all of that is directly from Godless. And yeah. the, the same thing happens. He agrees to work on the farm and then zoom up three years later. She's taught him some stuff. He's learned the language. Her son is there. And it's now 1865 and the war is nearly over. But are you saying that that's a con because it's so much like it's Godless? A, it's... It's literally copying the same thing. I understand, but like that is how it was at the time. If you were a slave, you didn't know. <laughs> it's how not to about read. being you a slave. Know. It's about the fact that like this lady just randomly comes across him with a gun. She happens to be single. Like she doesn't have her. Her husband has died mysteriously, but she's raising one kid on her own, and yet she still has enough money to like raise a full farm with uh, goats and and uh, cattle and horses and stuff. And so. Um, so it, it was just weird, but zoom up those three years later, and Curtis, that's the name of her son, um, is is kind of like a uh, surrogate son to Bass. Mm -hmm. And so Bass takes him into town, and it's what they, their equivalent of a town, which is um, a Native American territory, very few shops, but then at the same time, the Union soldiers are heading in, and he has to translate for them so that they can get a deal on some goods. Right. That's when he comes across a wagon that the union was transporting that has a bunch of Confederate like uh, prisoners. And one of them recognizes him, someone that we had seen earlier. Um, and that guy who's actually like on friendly terms with Bass, he's probably the least racist of the racist, but he's also a villain. Um, he's like, you want to get out of here because shit's about to go down. And at that second, an ambush happens and all these Confederate soldiers, even though the war is technically over, they're still trying to rescue their guys. They come in, they kill off a bunch of union soldiers and then Curtis, the like 10 year old kid picks up a gun and he points it at the Confederate soldier who was helping Bass. There's a disagreement argument that goes down. Bass is yelling, don't shoot. Uh, Curtis put the gun down. Curtis starts to put the gun down. The Confederate soldier pulls out that gun and shoots him in the chest, so, killing Curtis. So the Union, was the un did the Union show up knowing that the Confederates were about to come? Or was it one of those things where the Confederates thought that they were going to the buy The Unions were them? transporting the prisoners that they had caught. This is the end of the war. They thought things were merry, like they didn't have an issue with anybody. And then that's when the Confederacy apparently still had some lingering troops around because uh, this is like, I, I think the place is called Turkey Creek Trading Post. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as they heard that that's where they were and he saw Bass, he was like, get out of here or else. So Curtis is dead. What Curtis is dead. Do? You'd think that the rest of the episode would be him going back to the mom and the mom just being heartbroken and like blaming the, the guy that she had put in charge of her yeah. son. Nope. She, for like, there are three ladies in this show that take what happens to their loved ones and just forgive Bass immediately. One is this lady because she's like, you got your own shit to do. Go back home. Have a great time. I'm cool with Curtis being dead. Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't have any guilt towards it. It just seems so strange. Um, but that's what allows Bass to go back to, um, actually, he goes back to Texas to try to find Jenny. Mm -hmm. And because the war's over, he knows that George really can't do anything to him. Um, however, George isn't there when he gets there. That's when George's wife, Rachel, who wasn't there when they originally came, um, she shows up and she actually immediately forgives Bass as well. That's the second lady. She's like, I don't, you know what you did to George? <laughs> that's water under the bridge. He's Wait, into politics so now. It this, doesn't matter. two biggest things. Yeah. The killing of a kid. I understand that he didn't want the kid to die, but it still happened under his watch, as you said. And then beat 
beating up the master. Yeah, the wife of the master just forgives him right out. And then in the next episode, the full episode, because Dennis Quaid isn't in this first episode. Uh So again, that 10-year jump happens. He finds Jenny by the end of the episode. He sees that she has a kid. At first, he assumes it's not his. He finds out that it is, and then they live happily ever after together. And then we jump up those 10 years. He's on the farm. They're trying to make enough money to get by, but obviously they could be doing much better. Mm -hmm. And so that's when Dennis Quaid comes into town. He's like, I hear that you speak. Native American, like you speak Choctaw or whatever the the language is, and also you're a great shooter. Well, there's this outlaw country, and one of my partners just died, and I could use your help to go find the guy. His name is One Charlie, because there ain't no other Charlie like him. And I think Dennis Quaid does a fine Texas accent, or or, uh, Southern accent, and it was fun seeing him. But the second episode really did come across like a procedural where the story did not matter. It was just to try to introduce Bass Reeves into the field to like explain that he was going to become a deputy. So they go to outlaw country, right? And the first thing that happens is they're ambushed by three people. And I don't understand, like in 1883, the first episode, the guy was ambushed by, let's say, 10. And he yes. took them all out by himself yep. in the field. In this I don't know why, but they like they they put a trap out. These outlaws did, and then they when they got to the wagon, um, Bass Reeves, and also I should give Dennis Quaid's name in this. Cheryl Lynn. Cheryl Lynn, correct. And so they find this dis- deserted wagon with a guy dying inside, and the guy's like, "You got to get out of here." And that's when these three outlaws come running out with their horses in the middle of a field again, allowing themselves to be shot. There's only three of them. And they think they're going to take down these two guys who are here. Not knowing, It just doesn't seem like the numbers were in their favor at all. And it also felt like, yeah, they, they could have just waited or they could have shot them from a distance. It, it, but they run right after. Basically right like a fast. suicide mission is what you're saying. Well, the, they prob- they still had the numbers on them. It was just the fact that, like, do some calculations, get some more guys, do something. Bass takes out two of them. Cheryl Lynn takes out the other one. Um, and that's how we see that they work as a team. But Cheryl Lynn was nearly scalped at one point in his past. So he hates the Reds, as he puts it. And, uh, and so when they actually meet, to try to find one Charlie, his cousin, mm-hmm. this lady, um, he he shoots the door. And that's where Bass is like, calm down, let me talk to her. And so he talks to her, they get along fine. They go to find one Charlie in his like deserted cabin somewhere. One Charlie doesn't want to come out. So Cheryl Lynn goes drastic and he pulls out the whiskey that uh, one Charlie had stolen, lights a Molotov cocktail basically, throws it into the house. One Charlie burns to death and Bass Reeves has to end up shooting him in the face, which really upsets Bass because Bass has a wholesome heart. He's also very noble and earnest as uh, as Cheryl Lynn goes on to explain. But uh, he has a real problem with the idea that the law can be taken into Cheryl Lynn's hands like that. And so he goes back to the cousin and apologizes on behalf of what happened to her cousin. Right. Or, uh, yeah, to, to one Charlie. And the cousin immediately forgives Bass. Okay, so that's... As, as we know. <laughs> so, like, time. yeah, everybody loves Bass at the same time, he can do no wrong. He is too goody two-shoes. They've made a show about a guy, and I get that he's supposed to be the hero, and he's supposed to be, like, this amazing character in history, but they're what they're doing is Jackie Robinson in 42. They're trying to just glorify and make everything 
perfect about this dude and it just makes it boring how do they show him going to the cousin and the cousin forget does the we go to the just... same house that they had gone to find her right it's more what does the cousin say to show she says that you know my cousin was really asking for it he'd done this type of stuff before and so like yep he's dead thanks for coming and telling me that <laughs> <it>. <laughs> yeah i mean he died a really really violent death at the same time i wasn't a hundred percent against what cheryl and like the idea of having to kill him because it didn't seem like Bass had that much of an issue killing the outlaws who were coming at them with with guns. So it, it doesn't he doesn't have an issue with killing, but he does have an issue with killing his master. He did have an issue with killing like I guess someone. Um, one Charlie was armed. He shot at them first, and that was what Cheryl Lynn even said. Anyways, she, he he ends up punching Cheryl Lynn much as how he punched George. Um, and and Cheryl Lynn's like, if you get on that horse, you're not getting any money from us because mm-hmm. he's technically like a posse guy. He's not a deputy or anything. But oh, then, okay, so he's not actually no. Part of when any. he recruited him, it was just as like a one off. Oh, but, yes, okay, obviously. Right. So by the end of the episode, though, Cheryl Lynn has a change of heart. He comes to him. Donald Sutherland hasn't shown up, but I assume he's playing the judge. And so he's the one who actually greenlit the fact that uh, Bass Reeves was going to become. How do you know? Oh, oh, Donald Sutherland is in the credits. And the credits play out. They look very similar to Godless and they look very similar to 1883. But those both those openings were like, I remember, really good. The not the the intro every the one that plays every single time. Yes, yeah, okay. that's what yeah, I'm talking yeah, yeah. about. I'm not talking about the first um, few minutes. Again, that I feel like I've been desensitized to war at this point, whether it be with real life scene, uh, the, the news, or because of all the shows and Band of Brothers. And it, like, you can't continually... It, you, this type of show I've seen so many times where it just it didn't have the same impact that I would have wanted it to. And and on top of that, like there were just a lot of moments in the second episode where I, I, I thought to myself, like, why are we watching this? We end up following the wife storyline a lot. The, and, and all she does is that she goes into town. She gets uh, approached by this guy who wants to sell her on the Black Paradise, getting a state of their own. She instead buys a piano. there's a connection of the piano from 1883 that I like, but she plays the piano. She gets it delivered to the house. She shoots a wolf that's eating a calf. She uh, tries to stop Sally, her daughter, from flirting with this guy named Arthur Mayberry, who looks a lot like the guy from Dungeons and Dragons, well, that one movie. Do you, do you recognize where Sally Reeves is from, the girl who plays her? She was hardly in it. She was literally in, like, a couple uh, seconds. Serena Williams in King Richard. Oh, that makes she sense. She also was in Godfather of Harlem. I'm sure we'll see more of her. Um, my point is that the wife storyline is also kind of boring. There was no really reason to follow it. I, I do wish that there was something other than Bass to follow, especially in that second episode with the procedural element of it where they go after the bad guy they find the bad guy he goes home he gets promoted the end um but but overall i feel like the first episode was a lot better because it was telling me a story it felt a lot more like a 12 years a slave it felt like Django unchained those type of uh things so i would have given the first episode a pass the second episode i wouldn't give a pass overall i'm going to just give this a five out of ten a five out of ten yes. so it does not pass at all okay I this, no it's just average i know it's average that's what but average usually is. we consider six out of ten a pass it's just he's too honorable too noble too earnest um and, and i'm sure i could go on about other stuff the series is yeah. going to be eight episodes so it is a little strange that episode two you would say is a procedural because it's like if you only have that much amount of show to do you would think that every episode was 
at least accomplish something, especially since it's a limited series. Mm. Um, it, the overall show has an 8.2 on IMDb with around 650 reviews. And then the critics score is 74%, audience score is 63%. However, the critics that really don't like it hate it. I know Hollywood Reporter gave it a negative review and said in lieu of actual character developments of growth, the show just has bass on a different job each week. Not yeah, much matters. I know that NPR also gave it a negative review. However, The Guardian gave the first episode four out of five the stars. The first episode is better than the second episode. If the first episode was just a launching ground, then this could have been an easy seven, eight. But it, it's not. It's it's clearly going in a direction where it's supposed to be like he's going to be solving a crime with this other guy. And that the uh, dialogue is just too simplistic to care about too much. I do give the actors credit, though, because I know right, that David Oyello he had to learn a fake crazy. language, right? Or was it actually Choctaw? Which, like, is that an actual I, real Native American language? If you don't know, that's fine. Yeah. The other thing he had to learn to do was ride a horse really well. Yeah, well, and I told if, you. Taylor if, Sheridan does, like, a two-week course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the horses, if they're part of SAG, then good luck with all these shows. <laughs> because, you're, yeah. <laughs> well, David Oyelowo, he went through a full crash course on Bass Reese, even talking to Sidney Thompson and said that he claims as much of him as he could for the role. Yeah. And then Morgan Freeman, I know, for the longest time wanted to play Bass Reeves. And that was part of the reason why David Oyelowo got interested in Bass Reeves' story back in 2014. I can't criticize the actors for the scripts they're given, but mm-hmm. the acting's fine. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye. Bye.